know the Christmas story, today we're going to talk about Mary, the grace of God in Mary's life. Last week we talked about Joseph. Next week we're going to look at the Magi. And then on Christmas Eve, the uh, very embodiment of grace, we're going to talk about Jesus. And we're really talking about Jesus every Sunday and how Jesus uh, works in each of these lives. But uh, I saw this, uh, you know, traditionally we always think about the three wise men. Uh, it doesn't necessarily say there was three. We assume because there was three gifts. But there was, if you think about it, if they were of royalty, there was a, a, way, a lot more people. But we talk about the three wise men just traditionally, um, whether there was literally three or not. But we talk about that traditionally. And someone thought, what if there were three wise women? Three wise women. He said, do you know what would have happened if it had been three wise women instead of men, don't you? They would have asked for directions, arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and brought disposable diapers as gifts. So uh, that's what you would have gotten, all right? So ladies, just something to ponder, all right? Let's stand and we're going to read just a portion of the passage this morning that we're going to look at, but it should be on the screen. We're going to look at... Luke chapter 1, but we're only going to read verse 26 through 33. In the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name, what? Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this word of testimony to our hearts that, Lord, is not only um, something that we talk about now, but if Jesus had not come, Lord, we we would be without hope. Thank you that Jesus came. Thank you that you sent him. And so, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. Last week in the series, The Season of Grace, we looked at Joseph, and today we're going to look at Mary, give attention to Mary. She is obviously a very pivotal person, and while Joseph uh, stood up for and protected the Christ of Christmas, Mary, uh, she certainly had a central role that she stood up and was chosen to present Christ to the world. So Mary, talking about Mary, demonstrates that no matter who you are or what your situation is, that God can use you. And Mary is a great reminder of that. Think with me just a little bit before we get into the meat of the message, is that Mary was young, okay? She was young. She, in this customary time of marriage, it was not unusual for brides to be as young as 13 or so. And 
you know, we, we're guessing, but we're assuming maybe she's 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there. But she was a young person, very young. And uh, the Bible tells us that no matter whether you're young or old, God can use God can use you. Sometimes we'll say, well, you know, what can God do with me? I'm too old or I'm too young. Well, Jeremiah, the Bible says that about Jeremiah, you remember the prophet Jeremiah? The Bible says in Jeremiah, he gave the excuse to the Lord. He said, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. But the Lord said to him, uh, you go and you go and tell everyone that I tell you what I'm going to, my word. He said, God, I'm too young. And you remember Sarah? She said she was too old. When God says, you're going to give birth to a child, she laughed. She says, I'm too old. I can't do that in Genesis 18. Mary was not only young, but she was poor. You say, well, how do you know that? Look with me just, uh, if you're in Luke, look over to chapter 2. Now, let me, while you turn to Luke 2, let me just give you a little background. In Leviticus, which speaks of and talks about the Jewish law, in Leviticus 12, don't turn to it, it says that for 40 days after the birth of a child, a mother was ceremonially, ceremonially unclean and could not enter the temple. But after 40 days, the parents were to bring a lamb for a burnt offering or a dove, or a pigeon for a sin offering. Now it says also in Leviticus 12, 8, just again, let me read it, that it says that if she cannot bring a lamb, she is to bring two doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, and in this way the priest will make atonement. What's the point here? Is that Usually the only persons that would bring a dove or a pigeon were, were someone who was poor. Okay, That was the minimal sacrifice. So Luke 2, look at verse 22 and 24. It says, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And then it says, and verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what it said in the law, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. They were poor. Well, God can't use me because I don't have a lot of money. It doesn't matter. God's got it all covered, okay? So she's young, she's poor, and she's from Nazareth. Now, Mike has already impugned Kathleen to us who live in the Kathleen community, so I will not say anything about uh, communities. I, I did that one time and got in trouble. But Nazareth was, you remember someone said, in fact, I think it was over in John, uh, 146 said, can anything good, when they heard that Jesus was from, was from Nazareth, they said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, you might immediately think of places or communities, and when you hear, oh, that happened so-and-so, you kind of have the same reaction. Oh, well, what do you expect? You know, well, the, poor, the woman is young, she's poor, and she doesn't come from a high elite society of wealth. She comes from a community that doesn't have a good reputation, uh, she comes from Nazareth. Look, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter your economic status. God can use you whether you're young, old, rich, poor, whether you come from whatever community. Look at those in those pictures that Mike had up there. Do you not think that God is impacting that community with the least? Absolutely. A nation that's impoverished not only economically but spiritually. And God has chosen, the Bible says, the foolish things 
to confound the wise. He can choose anybody, all right? So she's from Nazareth. But not only that we learn about Mary, is the Bible tells us in verse 34, uh, well, and, and that, she, uh, and that she's a virgin. She has not had intimate sexual relations with anyone. Remember we talked about Joseph. What made him so stressed was because he knew, even though they were within the the, uh, and I won't get into the, the legal arrangement, but they were in the stage of the marital or, uh, covenant of, of, we would call it engagement, but it was a little bit more than that. But he knew that he had not been with Mary in, intimate, in an intimate way. So when she came and said that she was pregnant, he knew, that's why he was so stressed out, he knew that he wasn't the father, right? And so verse 34, she asked the question, uh, uh, you know, well, let's just look at it. Look at verse 34. When the angel, when the word of the Lord said, and Mary said to the angel after his announcement, she says, how will this be since I am a virgin? That's a big deal in Christianity. It's a big deal. We're not going to belabor it, but I do want to underscore it, that the virgin birth is one of those non-essentials. You don't have Christianity if you do not maintain what the Bible clearly teaches is that Mary was a virgin. And that means that Jesus' birth was supernatural. Her, the, the baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He did not have a human father. Joseph was a stepfather. He was not a biological father. Galatians 4.4 4 says that when the time had come, when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman. Didn't say anything about a man there. Okay? The virgin birth is a non-negotiable of Christianity. And I want to underscore that. So look, Mary was young. She was poor. She was a virgin. She was from Nazareth. All the characteristics that you would say, wait a minute, this is how the king of the universe is going to enter the world? We haven't even talked about the location of where he was laid where he was born, but an unlikely person. And what I want us to be reminded of today is you and I are the most unlikely candidates to be used for God. But you know what makes that so wonderful is he gets all the credit. He gets all the glory because any good in us is to his glory. And Mary exemplified that in standing out and in her obedience to be useful for God, to obey God, even when it didn't make sense. We talked about Joseph. I mean, he was told... The Holy Spirit has done this in Mary. He obeyed the word of the Lord, not because he could put two and two together and it made rational sense. He said, God, I don't understand it, but I'm going to obey and I'm going to follow your word here. Mary did likewise. Mary was chosen to present the Christ of Christmas. In our passage here this morning, I want us to notice four Four areas, four traits that Mary exhibited that I, that I believe are worthy reminders for us. And uh, I hope that you take notes. I hope you write things down uh, unless you have just a photographic memory and you don't need to even worry about it. But I believe that when you come into, when you listen to the word of the Lord, capture what God might be saying and teaching. I take notes all the time. We had a men's breakfast by, yesterday. By the way, I had a great turnout. Uh, Dr. Jean May spoke, and we just had a wonderful day. 
And when he spoke, I, I, keep, I write down anything because it just might be that God might be teaching me something. And I want to be ready. So I want to encourage you to do that. But notice, firstly, the first trait here in our text that we're looking at this morning in verses 26 through 38. Look with me at verse 28. We notice that Mary had a relationship with God. Mary had a relationship with God. God was with her. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. God was with her. Is God with you? Is God with you? He desires to be if he's not. He wants to be with us. Emmanuel that we say means God with us. We read from John earlier. Not only was God with her, but also in this relationship with God, the Bible says in verse 30 that God favored her. Verse 30, but the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. The word favor comes from the same root word that the word grace comes from. We're talking about the season of grace. The angel could have said, Mary, you have found grace with God. You have been selected by God for this special purpose. The Bible says that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The Bible says that Joseph found favor in the eyes of the Lord. See, until you first, until we have first have a relationship with God in which he walks with us, talks with us, has fellowship with us, has a relationship with us, we cannot present Christ to a world that does not know Him. We have to know Him. We have to experience Him. On Sunday mornings, uh, there's a, uh, usually turn on the TV just to have some of the few and rare uh, Christian programs that might be on, and usually it's Charles Stanley and Michael Youssef. I enjoy listening to both. And, uh, and I was, had Charles, he, Charles Stanley was on there, and he was talking, and he said, you know, we sing about go tell it on the mountain. Don't, tell, don't worry about the mountain. Go tell your neighbor. <laughs> you know, we want to sing go tell it on the mountain. How about go tell it to your neighbor? How about go tell it to your coworker? But you can't tell something that you don't know anything about. You don't have a relationship with Christ. Mary had a relationship with Jesus. Notice, secondly, not only did Mary have a relationship with God, but Mary sought to clarify, sought clarity to God's Word. Mary sought clarity to clarify what God had said, clarity to God's Word. Verse 29 says that Mary was greatly troubled at the words the angel spoke. And wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Gabriel gave Mary a twofold message. Verse 31, he said, You are going to have a baby and you're going to call his name Jesus. And secondly, in verse 32 and 33, he says, He will be great and will be called the Son of God, the Most High, of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. He's not up for re-election every four years. His kingdom will never end. He is the king. And so Mary's response to what she heard, you ever had somebody tell you something, 
And if you, through the years, you, you kind of say, now, now, just say that to me one more time. You know, let me make sure, you know, that I understand what you're saying here. Mary sought to clarify what God said. And that's going back and reread it earlier, verse 34. She said, how can this be? This, what you're saying, I get. But she says, verse 34, she says, I am a virgin. How can this be? And after hearing some more details, I guess she figured, you know what, I got to go, I got to get out of town. You ever feel like that? Something heavy is going on. You say, you know what, I just need to take a drive. I need to go see my sister. I need to go see my mother. You know, I need to go see, I just need a break. So what does she do? She goes to see her cousin, Elizabeth. Okay, pretty heavy news. She figured... I need, I need to go see Elizabeth. I need, I, need to, I need to sort this out. Verse 35, she went and saw Elizabeth, who was six months pregnant. You can read about that earlier in Luke. She's six months pregnant, verse 36. Verse 37 says that nothing is impossible with God. And so she submits herself to God's plan for her life. Verse 38, she responds and says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. So she is not leaving with a sense of, uh, of uh, I'm not sure I'm going to do this. But she, according to verse 38, she says, I submit to the word of the Lord. I submit to the word of the Lord. And so it says that, that reminds us that sometimes God will ask of us, to do things, sometimes God will speak into our lives to do things that are contrary to what we understand or know or even what we feel or we want to do. But what is our posture? Should be the Mary posture. Lord, whatever you say, your servant will do. Joseph, obedient. I don't get it, don't understand it, but I'll do what you said. That's the kind of people that God can use. You've heard this said many times. He, God is not interested in your ability, just your availability. Are you available right now today? Are you available to be used by God? And the only way you can say yes to that is where you've already made the decision that what God says, I'm going to obey what he says. So, so she goes to see Mary, verse 39 and 40, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. And she went, perhaps, it doesn't tell us, but it seems as though by going to Elizabeth, her cousin, she's going to validate the word of the Lord. Because you remember earlier in in, uh, Luke, the word of the Lord came to Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah. And the Lord spoke about a birth in their family, not a virgin birth, but they were going to give birth to John. We will call him John the Southern Baptist, I mean, John the Baptist, okay? Are y'all alive? Are y'all joyful, okay? Because I can't handle a bunch of tight people here, all right? Laugh, smile, enjoy Jesus, all right? So they go, and she goes to see Elizabeth and wants to sort this out. Remember, she's clarifying the word of the Lord, and she goes to visit her her cousin and her husband. And what's so wonderful in this story, look at verse 42, that... These are Elizabeth's words to cousin Mary. She's there taking some time off, sorting this out, clarifying what God says. And Elizabeth said to Mary, verse 42, In a loud voice, Elizabeth says, 
Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the child that you will bear. Now, how did she know that? Except the Spirit of the Lord spoke to her. Verse 43 and 44. Elizabeth goes on and says, But why am I so favored? She's speaking this to her, to Mary. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord, this is Elizabeth saying this, the mother of my Lord should come to me. And as soon as the sound of your greeting, she's speaking to Mary, and when Mary said hello, she said, as soon as your greeting, the sound reached my ears, the baby, who we know is John, the cousin, in my womb did what? He was Pentecostal. He was charismatic. He leaped. Some of you just got panicky on me, all right? Uh, He leaped for joy. What? Don't tell me that what is in a mother's womb at conception is a bunch of tissue that has no life. This child leaped at hearing and responding To Mary, the mother of Christ. I think that's pretty cool. Verse 45, Mary says, Blessed is she, speaking to her, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be what? It's going to be done. I don't know about you, but I believe, in fact, even yesterday, Gene May, our speaker, spoke as he prayed for me, spoke what we call in Scripture would be a, a word of the Lord. And it was a confirming word to some things that, that, that in my life. And God can do that. He can, he, he can do that. He can use you to say things to people. That, and after you say it, or after you pray it, and you're like, why did I pray it that way? That God is speaking through you to bring confirmation to a person's life. How many of you have experienced that in some way? Okay? So that's not unusual. That's nothing weird. That's Bible. We believe that. And so Elizabeth is speaking a word of confirmation. And what the word of confirmation has is it brings clarity to Mary. There's nothing wrong with when God speaks into our life, whether it's a word in Scripture, whether it's a word of encouragement from another person, whatever. And we just, we're wrestling with it. It's okay to, to say, God, I need some clarity. And He will often direct you to... Maybe a, uh, an older or younger, you know, somebody who knows the Lord and is wise and maybe has experience in, in these things. And, 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 they, and God will use oftentimes that relationship to, to sort things out, to clarify something that God has said. You know, something that God has spoke in your life and they're going to warn you and say, now don't go off and sell your house and do this, that, and the other. Now let God work. Because sometimes people get excited and they want to take off and run with something God has said, but they don't have enough common sense to say, well, now, wait a minute, it's not going to happen overnight. Let's, let's, let's be wise about this. Let's see how this works out. And God will use those relationships. So Mary sought clarity of what God had said. Notice thirdly, in verse 46 through 55, Mary resisted pride and worshipped God. After Mary heard Elizabeth's reference, her cousin said, remember, the mother of my Lord, pretty, pretty big stuff, and the pronouncement of a blessing on her for believing the word of the Lord, 
Mary knew in her spirit that what had happened to her, what God was doing, Mary knew that this was real. This was really happening. God was doing something miraculous. She believed it. This is an affirmation. And so she released this song that, uh, that speaks about my heart magnifies the Lord. And she says that we call it, oftentimes refer, refer to it as the Magnificat, where she says, the, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Verse 48, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. She began to what? Began to worship the Lord. That's a good thing to do when you're not sure what else to do. When you're in doubt, worship God. When you're in doubt, just say, God, I'm, <laughs> boy, I don't understand any of this, but I'm going to worship you because you know. I'm glad you know, and I'm glad you know everything. I'm just going to worship you. That was something Mary's response. Do you think she feared and questioned? Sure, she was, she was human, but she began to worship the Lord. She resisted saying, you know what? I must be really something special. I must really be important. I mean, God has chosen me to give birth to the Messiah. That, wow, there must be something really wonderful in my life. I'm glad I kept up with my prayer time every morning at 6 o'clock. That showed God that I'm worthy. You know, I'm glad I, I, I kicked in an extra three bucks into the offering every once in a while. That showed God I'm serious. I, no, it has nothing. That's the whole point. That's why it's grace. God chose her. God chose us. Not because there's anything worthy or good, just because God wanted to, to extend His glory and His mercy. She did not proudly assume that she was deserving of such an assignment. There's humility in her life. She says, who am I that this could be done to me? Humility is a wonderful virtue that we always must cultivate. It's kind of one of the only virtues that once you achieve it, you've blown it. Think about that for a little bit. Humility. You know what humility is? It's saying, you know what? I don't know why God has done this. I don't know why God has blessed me. It's most every morning that I wake up to make coffee, and when I step foot into my living room area, I'm overwhelmed with God. Thank you that you've given me a beautiful place to live, that you've allowed me to have furniture. You've allowed me. I remember. I remember a time in my life when the only thing we had, literally, in an apartment was a trundle bed and an old black and white TV. Yeah, I've been there. I know what, and I'm thankful for what I have. And it's not because I'm, I am overwhelmed why anybody would allow me here today to stand before you and do what I get to do. I don't. I don't believe that somehow that's made me, that I'm some entitled person that gets to do that. I am questioning why you let me do that. And I know some of you are probably doing that too. But we're not gonna, that's not the point of this message, all right? But I, I, I am thankful for the grace of God. I don't presume that somehow any of this is deserving And we should have that humility in our life like Mary. Humility is when you rightly understand that everything you have, everything you have is a gift of God. And last, Mary, she sought a relationship with him. 
She sought clarity to his word. She resisted pride and worshipped the Lord. But fourthly, look at what Mary did. After all this, verse 56, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. What did she do? Fourthly, Mary took the first step in obedience in walking in the word. At some point, you got to do it. <laughs> At some point, you got to step out. It's one thing to believe it. Let's just spend all this time in worship. Good. No. No. At some point, you got to take a step and say, God, I'm going to step out on your word. Mary stayed with Elizabeth, and it was time to go home. Why do you think maybe she would want to have delayed? Do you think she might have thought through the social ramifications of what might be going on there? After three months, starting to show? Yes? No? Okay. Do you think when she went back home and had to face the music, whether that was, do you think she was going to be met by palm branches and Hosanna in the highest? How do you think the family, the gatherings were like? Already her fiancé, I mean, he's struggling because, I mean, it's enormous. We, we, we have this glossed over idea of how things, because we just, you know, we're just so used to the, the traditions and the pictures and all those things. But this is a woman that under the legal Jewish law, Joseph could have had her stoned to death for adultery. She doesn't totally know that may not happen. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months. And then she had to step out and either believe God or not. She chose to believe God. She took a first step to fulfilling God's purpose. You know, this Christmas, right now, today, may be the day that some of you need to take that step finally. You, you've lingered for three months or whatever months. You know what's something that God has said or spoken in your life. But at some point, you've got you to step out. If if everything was laid out, it wouldn't be faith. See, we, we're like, well, I'll I'll step out, but can you can you just can you just kind of lay things out for me so I kind of know how this thing's going to sort out? You remember those disciples that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we'll follow you wherever you go. And he said, Well, uh, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you go, but first let me go bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. See, we want to follow Jesus, but we like conditions. The rich young ruler came and thought Jesus would be really impressed with his resume. I've, I've obeyed the law ever since I was born. I mean, the disciples are like, finally, we get somebody to class this place up a little bit. This rich young guy, he's got money, prestige. I mean, he's influential probably in the synagogue. Usually the case with wealthy people. 
in that time. And Jesus knows nothing about Dale Carnegie. He knows nothing about how to win friends and influence people. Instead of inviting this man to, oh, I'm so glad that now you've given us some credibility, he says, uh, you know, why don't you go sell everything you have and give it to the poor? And the Bible says he, he, he left. He walked away. He took a step, but he took a step in the wrong direction. Mary took that first step in the right direction. And it was almost as if she stepped in. I wondered what that journey home was like. You ever go somewhere and you have a, something has happened here and you have a flight or you have a drive and you have to go to maybe a, a relative's house or a situation at work or whatever and, and there's a long in-between there and that drive you get closer and closer and closer, and you know that when you step into the office, you step into the house, you know you're going to get the full brunt of this thing, and all on the way you're thinking, should I turn around, should I bail, should I, you know, become uh, an undercover agent, should I, you know, join the uh, Peace Corps, get out of this situation, what should I do? But you, you're going to have to face it. That's Mary. Do you think there was doubt along the way? You bet. But she believed God, and she took the step, and she went home. Some of us have to take those kinds of steps all the time. For some, it's a big step of just making a decision to say, I'm going to follow Jesus with my life. I'm, I'm, I've played around. I've... At some point, you've got to grow up, guys. You've got to grow up. Either this is real or it's not. And once you make that first step, guess what? It's going to be followed by a million other steps every day that you take of making a decision. I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to follow what His Word is. Whether I understand it or not, I'm going to make a decision to follow Him. This wonderful story that we talk about every year, it's really not about Mary, is it? It's about Jesus about Jesus, the Word of God becoming flesh. What does this world need? Needs Jesus. How are they going to see Jesus? They're going to see it by becoming flesh in us. They're going to see it by being merciful, kind, giving, forgiving, right? They're going to see whether the gospel has transformed our lives, and they may never, ever pick up a Bible initially, hopefully when they Come to faith, they will. But initially, they may never read a Bible verse. They may never do all the things and be converted. I, I, you know, I guess there's probably people who have been converted by a bumper sticker that the Holy Spirit's used. But ultimately, there's got to be Jesus presented to them. And the way that that is done is He has worked and chosen to use us in human flesh to present Jesus to the world. What is the church? It's the presence, the presence of Jesus to the world. The manifestation of Jesus as the community of faith to this world that does not know Him. It doesn't matter who, Republican, Democrat, Green Party, Socialist Party, it doesn't matter who's in office. Listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ has thrived in hostile cultures. When you read this Bible... It really knows very little of truth thriving 
and sympathetic cultures. The disciples, when they turned the world upside down, they were under a pagan, anti-God, ISIS mentality of killing and beheading Christians. That's the kind of culture they lived in. That's the world they lived in. And yet, they presented the truth of what Jesus did. And oftentimes, it was nothing more than as simple as that. All we can tell you is what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've touched. That's what First John says. We write to you, I write to you of what I've handled, what we've touched, what we've seen, what we have experienced. We saw a man who was dead. After three days, we saw him and we spent time with him. We ate with him on the shore. You can't tell us that that did not happen. None of the disciples recanted. Why? Because they knew what they knew. Somebody would say, I want you to deny that you were here today. Now, some of you are sleeping and you're not sure where you're at. But, but deny where you're at. Deny what you did, this experience. Can't. You can't deny what you know. They couldn't deny what they touched what they handled, what they heard, how the word burned into their heart. And so the encouragement I pray today under the season of grace, if you don't know Jesus, I invite you to know Jesus. I invite you to have a relationship with Christ. Fairly simple. Fairly simple. Simple as ABC. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Believe, believe, that He is the Son of God. Confess. Confess your sin. Confess and say, God, I have been living apart from You. I accept You. I believe You. And I want You to come into my life and take dominion in my life. Yes, sing joy to the world. He is King. But have you made Him King Jesus of your life, of your world? And until you do, well, the Bible says that We are without hope. We are without hope.